Hey, it's Nick. Thank you for listening to the Upgraded Executive Podcast. We are bringing you insights from experts from around the world so you can improve your personal and professional performance. Our guests today are Myra and Jason Carlton. They are world-leading experts on the topics of weight management, lifestyle medicine and micronutrient deficiency. Their high success rate working with adults and children to achieve sustainable weight loss and reverse health and disease conditions has made their consultancy highly sought after by celebrities, athletes and top corporate executives around the world. This episode is called The Missing Piece, How All Diets Get It Wrong. This is a really fascinating episode and I thought I knew a lot around nutrition, but it's really opened my eyes. It really doesn't matter which way you eat. You could be vegan, paleo, carnivore, keto. I guarantee you, you learn a lot from Myra and Jason. If you're enjoying the video and podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could subscribe to our podcast and like and subscribe to the YouTube videos. If you'd like to get access to our content one week before it's officially released, then please leave your details at www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe and we will send you a special link so you can watch our episodes one week before they're officially released. So on to the episode with Myra and Jason Carlton. Welcome to the Upgraded Executive Podcast. It's really great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. We're super excited. Could you start by telling the audience a little bit about your background and how you both got into the whole world of nutrition and nutrients? For me, it was because I had to. It certainly was not a choice for me. I was in no way interested in nutrition <laughs> at the beginning of my life. I was publicist in New York City, so I had a lifestyle that a lot of people could relate to. A lot of hours, a lot of stress. And But when I turned 30, I just started feeling a little bit, first just low energy, and then my bones started to ache. And I just didn't listen to it. For the first, like, about a year, year and a half, I started to feel all these pains. I was not listening to my body at all until it got to the point that I was lying down in my loft, not going to any of my functions any longer, sending employees to do my work for me, and I could not get off my bed, at which time I went to see my doctor, and he told me that I had advanced osteoporosis and that at the age of 30, I had the bone density of an 80-year-old woman. They said it wasn't going to get any better. I saw every type of specialist possible in Manhattan, all the best hospitals. And they all said, that's it. This is how you're going to be for the rest of your life. I had to sell my company. I had to leave New York. I had to go and stay with family and allow them to take care of me, basically. Started doing a lot of research. And the only thing they had told me was, you need calcium. Calcium, great. I have some place to start. And at the minute I started looking at calcium, I was like, wow, I really know nothing. I know nothing because it said I need magnesium too. And if I need magnesium, well, what else did I need? So I started to look for people to help me. And luckily, I met a pretty cool guy who was a doctor of nutrition that was willing to sit down and look at this whole micronutrient deficiency that I was having and to start to put it together. And after two years of working together on a solution, a protocol for me, I reversed my advanced osteoporosis. And it's been nearly 20 years since that happened. Yeah, so it is reversible, and now we're on a mission just basically to get it out there that these micronutrients, these little things that nobody do about, are so powerful. They really have the ability to change your health from every aspect. Brilliant. And you, Jason? It was a little bit different than Mira. So I've always known that I was interested in nutrition from when I was a little boy. 
I created my first diet when I was seven years old. So this was something that I was always fascinated with. But before I met Mira, I was really working in what I call the macronutrient wars. I was part of that early ketogenic researching, doing ketogenic dieting, looking at the benefits of ketosis, and really working with people and helping them to understand that style of diet. When I met Mira, I had basically retired already. This was something that was brought to me as a, you know, we've got this I'm woman a pushy girl. who yeah, is 30 <laughs> years old and she's got advanced osteoporosis. What do you think you could do to help? And so this was really the first time that I turned my gaze from carbs, fats, and proteins and the manipulation of those macronutrients and even really started to look at micronutrients. We have, of course, we always believe in giving people, you know, we give them a multivitamin or we work with individual micronutrient deficiencies as they may have come up, but it wasn't something we were focusing on. I would say we were focusing on the diet a lot more than we were micronutrients. Once we started to look at micronutrients, an entirely new world opened up. Literally, I believe one of the most important thing we can be looking at in nutrition. I know a lot of people are still stuck on what kind of diet do you follow? And we'll talk about that today and what there's good and there's bad and there's ugly there. But what we started to look at with Mira was these little micronutrients. Remember, micronutrients are the vitamins, the minerals, the essential fatty acids, and the amino acids found in food or supposed to be found in food. And after we started to realize what was happening in America and why her body wasn't able to absorb these micronutrients, that led us on this amazing journey that we've been on together now for almost 20 years. What micronutrients would you say most people are deficient in, in your experience? Well, in the UK, your government actually did a study and they actually said that 100% of you are deficient in your micronutrients, 100%. Like not even leaving any room for any judgment, like maybe it's not me. In the US no. they like to say like 93% yeah. or 98%. So, but yeah, potassium is the number one, nine out of 10 Americans deficient in potassium, nine out of 10 Americans also deficient in vitamin E, seven out of 10 deficient in calcium, five out of 10 deficient in A and C and magnesium. Basically we're deficient across the board. And that's because our food is just not delivering it anymore. And also because our lifestyle is demanding so much more of it. Really twofold is why we're becoming so deficient. And why don't we get it from our food anymore, Mira? One of the things that we did after we fell in love and got married is we wanted to travel around the world and see why these other cultures, these primitive cultures, weren't getting sick. So we spent six years living with primitive tribes in Papua New Guinea and the Amazon, and living in dung huts in India and random things, trying to study what they were doing right. And one thing they all did is they went and they picked a food or caught a food and then they ate the food. Right now, our food is shipped in from all over the world. I mean, it's amazing when you go into like Whole Foods or someplace, you could have anything from Asia or India. I mean, it's everywhere. For every minute of every mile that your food travels, it's losing its vitamins and minerals because they don't want it to look like crap by the time it reaches you. They're actually picking it weeks early. So it's not even getting time to ripen in the soil and it's not even getting the micronutrients it's supposed to because it has to get it from the soil. That's where it's supposed to get the micronutrients. So that's one of the reasons. Right. I mean, you know, the other thing too, like Mira mentioned, when we went and lived with these remote tribes, much of their day was spent in prepping the food to be able to be eaten. Remember, many of these foods that they're eating are literally poisonous if they're not prepared properly. And so that proper preparation that we've forgotten in our modern day, we like to go to the store, grab food and fix it that night. In fact, you know, sometimes, you know, 
we write books or we write blogs or read articles about, you know, five, 15 minute dinners or 50 to 30 minute faster, the better, right? The easier, the better. But that's not how food is supposed to be. Today, we're plagued with what we call naked calories. We're talking about food that has its carbs, fats, and proteins, that has its calorie-based, right? You never lose calories no matter what you do to food. This is kind of one of the big secrets <laughs> about science. It doesn't tell you. You can chop it, dice it, slice it, microwave it. You do anything to food you want to, the calories stay there. But what you lose is those micronutrients, those micronutrients because of heat or exposure to oxygen or because of time, like Mira was saying. Those are reduced. So we end up eating these foods that we call naked calories. We get the calories, but we don't get that other part of food, that essential other part, and that are those essential micronutrients. Now, when I say the word essential micronutrients, I'm not talking like essential oils. A lot of people heard <laughs> essential oils. I'm not saying essential oils are bad, but they're not essential, meaning you will not die if you never take an essential oil in. You will, however, die if you do not get enough of your essential micronutrients. That's where disease came from. That's where it first started from. When we were deficient in vitamin C, we got scurvy, we got pellagra, we got beriberi, we got all these individual micronutrient deficiency diseases that killed millions of people across the world until we started to realize, wait a minute, this isn't coming from a virus or a bacteria. We knew what those were back then, but these were micronutrient deficiencies. Today, we all suffer from the same kind of thing, except they're not individual micronutrient deficiencies anymore, although rickets is coming back on the scene, which is a sink micronutrient deficiency of vitamin D. But now it's groupings of these deficiencies. So when D and calcium and vitamin K are grouped together and become deficient, we get diseases like osteoporosis, or when CoQ10 is, and maybe the B vitamins that control homocysteine levels are deficient, we get heart disease. And so the same thing is happening, but we're just not looking and we're not understanding how these micronutrients play the role. How can we tell if we're low in certain micronutrients? And I guess there's the obvious thing of around, you know, there's something wrong with you, you have some kind of condition or it's early stages of some kind of disease. But if you're walking around and you're feeling well, is there a way that you can identify or test for certain micronutrient deficiencies? Absolutely. So first thing, look in the mirror. Oh, wait, you have a deficiency. Now, it really is that, statistically speaking, you have one. So we can all pretty much make the assumption that we're deficient. But we want to know, know, know what we're deficient in because we are scientific people and we want to make sure that if we do have these deficiencies, we can reverse them. So there's blood tests that you can get where they test all the different micronutrients to see which ones you're low in. It's always really, really great to be calculating like that to get that baseline so you can see what things might be low or high. We also have tests that we give on our website where we ask you a whole bunch of questions about your lifestyle and we can tell you exactly which ones you're deficient in basically from you answering just a bunch of questions because there are certain foods that deplete micronutrients, certain lifestyle habits that are depleting a specific micronutrients. So a blood test is great if you can start with a blood test. We'd always start with a micronutrient test as well as with an omega check. It test your omega-3 and your omega-6 levels. And that's because inflammation is so key to disease. Those are the two blood tests that we basically want everyone to, to look into. Right. Brilliant. You mentioned there, Mira, around certain foods that can deplete your micronutrients. What are those foods? 
That's the other kind of ironic thing when we're talking about what kind of diet do I want to follow? So often now we start people leaning towards a plant-based diet and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, in our books, we tell people they can eat any kind of a diet that they want. And one of the things that we discovered six years around the world, living with remote tribes on every continent on the planet was that each and every one of these remote tribes had a different kind of diet. They would sometimes be more plant-based, sometimes they'd be more animal-based. And what we've learned is that every kind of diet can lead to health, but every kind of a diet can also lead to disease. And so when we start to think about which foods tend to block the body's ability to absorb certain micronutrients, we start to look at the plant-based foods because, you know, contrary to popular <laughs> belief, Plants don't want to be eaten any more than animals do, okay? So they put up what's called protective mechanisms. These are what we know as anti-nutrients to help to protect themselves from the insects and the bugs eating them and literally killing them, right? So they put these things like tannins, things like oxalic acid and phytic acid and, and, and lectins and trypsin inhibitors. And we have this whole group, what science knows as anti-nutrients. And they call them that because they literally stop your body, lower the, your body's ability to be able to absorb these essential micronutrients. And the more of them you eat or the more of them you're exposed to without proper food preparation, which brings us back to the, we can eat these foods if we learn how to prepare them like our ancestors did, then the more likely are we are to get one of these micronutrient deficiencies and a lifestyle disease because of it. Like everyone thinks like sprouting is like this new cool thing that everyone's learning. By the way, everyone sprouts in third world countries. Like there is no refrigeration. <laughs> so sprouting is just what happens when it's left outside and it gets wet. That's called sprouting. But it's really important because it does release those anti-nutrients and it makes it so your body isn't going to get hurt by the anti-nutrients. These anti-nutrients do all sorts of things. They attach themselves to fat cells, making it so the fat cells don't go away, even if you lose weight. So like literally you can't get rid of fat cells. They do other things like they break open the gut lining and causing leaky gut. When you have leaky gut, you can't absorb your nutrients as well. There's just a plethora of problems with them. So we do like to teach people in the books how exactly, which foods to look at. I was a green girl. Like I loved my spinach salad. So if you have any sort of bone health issues, if you have high blood pressure, please stop eating spinach salads. Spinach is loaded with oxalic acid and that causes calcium and magnesium not to be well absorbed. And that's really problematic for both bone health as well as blood pressure. So that's one of those ones that, you know, I had to learn like, okay, I might still love spinach, but it just doesn't work well with what my health conditions are. If she cooked the spinach, then she can reduce that oxalic acid. You can still put it in the refrigerator and then use it in a smoothie the next day cold, but, you know, or once it's been refrigerated, but if you've ever eaten a spinach salad and you kind of feel that film on your tongue and in your teeth, that's that oxalic acid. And that's that same oxalic that's binding to the calcium, that abundant amount of calcium that they say is in spinach, but is literally reduced to almost nothing by the time the oxalic acid chelates or binds to it and then pulls it out your body can't absorb it. These kind of mysterious things that deal with food that everybody's thinking, well, I eat so well. I'm eating all these superfoods and I'm getting all this nutritional yeah. value. Well, that's the addition side of it. But what we teach in our books and what we try to get across to people is there's a subtraction part too. And oftentimes that subtraction comes from these anti-nutrients. I'm actually sensitive to lectins. Is there any way that you could prepare food that helps you to eliminate the impact of lectins? I think lectins is pressure cooking. I think pressure cooking was the only method they found out for lectins that would reduce the lectin content. Are you saying lectin or leptin? 
lectin. So the nitrate vegetables. You can reduce some through heat, but almost, but it's not very much. It, like Mira said, the real, the way to do it, and if you want to get reduce it by 80% or more, you have to pressure cook. And again, this is just another one of these tricks that we can learn. So when it comes to micronutrients, can we get everything we need now from our food source? It's actually one of the biggest questions that we get asked when we go to these different conferences or when we're lecturing around the world. They're like, what diet, what's the best diet to get? Is it possible to eat a perfect diet? And, you know, I think it's actually pretty fascinating that in the 21st century, you know, there is literally millions of research papers published around the world and not a single published research paper has ever been able to show that you can eat a solid food diet, a regular food-based diet, and just even achieve minimum micronutrient sufficiency. That is incredible. To In fact, here in the U.S., they actually did a study. They went out and they said, here's what you have to do. You have calories. I think it was below like 2,000, 2,200 calories a day. The foods have to be palatable. But the whole objective is that we need to create a diet food-based diet that meets minimum micronutrient sufficiency. Absolutely impossible. And this Study was like failed. literally on a database program where they could keep plugging in foods and trying. So if they couldn't do it with all the best intentions, really, really with a database program helping them, what are the odds then that you're going to randomly put it on your plate and become sufficient? And you know, we went a step further than that because we were like, okay, we know that when you become micronutrient deficient, you cause disease in your own body. So what happens with these diet plans, these diet programs, where we start eliminating food groups altogether? So we're gluten-free, and so we're gonna eliminate all those foods, or we're vegans, or we're low-carb, and we're getting rid of our carbohydrates. What's gonna happen on those diet plans if followed exactly the way some of our great friends wrote in their books? If someone followed these dietitians to a T, to every grain of salt, what would that be? Are they even looking at that as a foundation of their programs? How many calories would you have to eat to create minimum micronutrient sufficiency? Do you guys want to take a guess at what the research showed us? How many calories a day do you think you'd have to eat to reach minimum micronutrient sufficiency from food alone? We may have been asked this question by another guest, John Jaquish, but I can't remember what the answer was. John was actually shocked because he brought this up at dinner the other night. It was actually funny. And it was funny because he asked us and we were like, but that's our study. He didn't know that, <laughs> he that didn't was, know it was our- my study. So that's my study. And the answer is 27,575 calories. That is the amount that you need <laughs> in order to, and for people who don't know calories, 27,000 calories is a lot. So. 10 times the amount of calories that an average person eats per day. That's the minimum amount you would need. So the answer is we're all living here in the 21st century. And the unfortunate truth is you must supplement if you do not want to get a health condition or a disease from a micronutrient deficiency sometime over your lifetime. I mean, that's just the sad reality of it. And it starts out with just little things like you're not sleeping so well, or your concentration's just a little bit off, or you know, you just don't have that a lot of pep right now or whatever it is, you know, your hair is not glowing, your skin's not great, whatever it is for you. And you kind of overlook it like I did for a really long time until those deficiencies deepen and deepen. And then that's when you find out that you actually have an illness. You know, I imagine yeah. people listening now are be like, oh gosh, here they go. They just want to sell supplements, right? You know, they want to take a supplement, but I don't want to take a supplement. I want to learn about how to eat properly. And I just want people to know that Mira and I, we're food first people. That's why in all of our books and everything that we've written and all the movies that we do, we always talk about the three steps 
to sufficiency. And the first step is always understanding food, how to get the food that has the most micronutrients in it, which is relatively easy to do. Those are those kind of superfoods that we all hear about, but it's also about how to know, identify the foods with the anti-nutrients. And like you said, how do I prepare them properly to get rid of them so that I can get the benefit from the nutrition in our food? Because we're not about just going out and supplementing and then saying, go ahead and eat a crap diet or don't do anything with your lifestyle to understand how your lifestyle is also affecting your micronutrient levels. We want you to be just like you would in your own business, right? We want you to look at this from the perspective of a spreadsheet, right? <laughs> this is a, your business plan. This is your health plan. We need to know food, lifestyle, and supplementation. All three of those are going to be important, but you can't get rid of any one of those avenues. Yeah. And we all think that we have the best diet. Like there's not one person who doesn't come for a consult and say, I have the healthiest diet in the world. Okay. I have no idea where I got, why I got this disease or yeah. this situation. It's and it's, we can, we can pinpoint it really, really easily, but it's awareness. Like you have to know if you're following a vegan diet, you're going to be low in specific micronutrients. It is your job as the executive of your health to understand that. You need to know, okay, B12 is going to be an issue. I better pay a lot of attention to that. Am I, I getting enough protein? Am I getting enough protein? Exactly. My omegas. My omegas are probably really off kilter. But it's just as much, even though keto is, what well, we love keto ourselves, but you have to be honest, there's going to be certain micronutrients that we're going to be low in. And sure. it's almost shocking that calcium, magnesium, and iron are low in ketogenic diets because we would think the dairy and the meat products and stuff like that. So you have to start by looking at what you're doing and looking at twofold, how many does my diet deliver? So which ones might it be low in? And then how many anti-nutrients is it also delivering? Because while the vegan diet tends to be really high in specific micronutrients, because you're eating so many vegetables and grains and beans and all the things that are loaded with anti-nutrients, you tend to have a lot more of the anti-nutrients. Right. So you've got to look at both of those things. Right, but like a carnivore diet or a low-carb diet, they may be very high in good fats, but they're also probably high in your omega-6, which is inflammatory. So you have to understand which of these good fats are also inflammatory because they're higher in omega-6 than omega-3. Or it may have a lot of iron in it, but it may be relatively low in vitamin C. And so is the vitamin C, which is a synergist micronutrient, is it allowing that iron to even be absorbed? All diets have their downfalls. Awareness. The awareness is that you're responsible to say, this is the diet I'm choosing. No one's going to tell you, at least we're not going to tell you, there are benefits to every diet out there. There's also downfalls and pitfalls of those diets. And it's our responsibility to be honest with ourselves and say, I choose to follow the diet, but I'm going to allow myself to at least admit there's a pitfall here. Yeah. Right. And when we can understand take what the that emotions is, out of it, yeah. Just step back a little bit, take the emotions out of it. Yes. You might love that favorite guru of yours, right. but look at the science behind look it. Look at the science, baby. Because once you do and you fill those gaps, especially the micronutrient deficiency gaps, then we've got a lifestyle. Now we have a lifestyle, right? Now this is something we can do for the rest of our lives and we're not going to be setting ourselves up for disease. I love that. It's really interesting with diet. I remember the saying that people used to say, you know, around a dinner table. So when you have a dinner party, you never talk about sex, religion, or politics. And now it's diet too, because people get so so emotive and so pushy, but you know, like this diet is the best diet. And so I just avoid the subject completely now. So in our book, we always do diet, lifestyle, nutrition. And we actually put the diet you follow in lifestyle. 
not in diet. This is diet what you're eating. We put that in lifestyle because it really affects your lifestyle. Your dietary, philosophy. Hanging, your dietary philosophy. Yeah. You're gonna go to that Facebook room, you're gonna go to that kind of a restaurant. Those are the people that you feel comfortable talking to. And even your exercise and stuff are often manipulated by what kind of a dietary philosophy you're following. Yeah. And you know what people are preaching in that community. So yeah, it's totally it is. It's one of those other things you try to politics for sure, religion for sure, and diet. Well, I actually look at diets almost like a religion now. And they are. When somebody says I'm vegan or I'm paleo or I'm, you know, carnivore, this is their new religion. And if somebody speaks out against it, it's very difficult to even be friends with that person, right? All of a sudden they were talking and like, what and what are you? Oh, I'm vegan. Oh. Or I'm a oh. <laughs> I didn't realize that was your philosophy. Yeah. You must not like animals or you must be a tree hugger or there's all kinds of assumptions associated We've tried with everything. It. We find it interesting to see if you should at least know how your body is going to respond to things. But the other side of the coin, and it's interesting that you said that because it's really one of my biggest goals in my career and over the rest of my life is to do exactly the opposite of that. I believe micronutrient therapy can be the unification concept because it is the one thing that we have in common. I mean, really, when you think about all the diets, like Mira said, they're all elimination of something. And then that elimination becomes part of that religion. But micronutrients are the one thing, whether you're a vegan or a carnivore, that you must be sufficient in or your health is going right. to suffer and that they're willing to admit. And so and from it that perspective, if you're it is, vegan and you're deficient in B12 or if you're carnivore and you're deficient in B12, you have the same exact situation. So yeah, it's across the board. So I look at that as a hopeful way that we can start to kind of you know, bring these groups together rather than see the fracturing, you know, continue at the rate that it's been. What is your view on the carnival diet? And I know we don't want to pick on any one particular diet. And I'm asking this because like there's a big vegan push now, isn't there? Like veganism is everywhere. And in the sort of biohacking circles, I'm seeing carnival be everywhere. People talk about the carnival diet. And for me as an individual, I'll be concerned about getting enough micronutrients from just meat. We've spoken about, you know, plants and the good things about plants and some of the things to watch out for, and we need to prepare the food properly. How does sort of a meat-only diet play into that? Will you have to take a lot more vitamins and supplements because you're not getting those from plants? Well, here's the thing. There's a few problems that I have with the carnivore diet. One of them is that you're not necessarily eating meat the way that our ancestors would have eaten meat. And I mean from, you know, tip to toe and everything in between. Those are the pieces that are actually the good pieces. When a, you know, when a group of hunters would catch something, only the guy who actually caught it got the heart or the liver or anything. Everyone else just got the meat. And that was like, the, eh, you know, you're no one, you get a piece of meat. And the whole thing is now is that's the only part that's being eaten. So if you're going to be a carnivore, at least learn what's good about meat. I mean, take the time to learn about those other bits and pieces that are actually are the areas where you do get those vitamins and minerals. Another thing is, please watch your food quality because meat is one of the worst things if it's you know raised inappropriately, fed bad foods, fed GMOs, all of that goes into the fat too. So a lot of these carnivores are also high fat dieters. Well, where are the toxins stored? All the toxins in that meat are in its fat. So here you go, you're eating a high, you know, a low quality piece of steak out at the restaurant because that's, you're a carnivore and that's what you do. You go to the restaurant and you grab some meat. Well, here's the problem. All you're doing is filling your body with toxins. And the only system that your body has to detoxify itself is nutrients. Your vitamins and your minerals, your antioxidants, these are the things that naturally detoxify you. 
So if you're already low and then you're shoving in extra toxins, you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball. Yeah, I say the same thing. I think that back when I was doing the ketogenic dieting and really doing the research, this was back in the late 80s and early 90s, the major downfall was really the food quality. And I don't want to, you know, we say don't go on a diet and lose weight just to get a disease because, I mean, that's what we really, we wrote a whole book called Rich Food, Poor Food. It was designed to teach people how to go into the grocery store, no matter what diet they're on, and be able to identify the ingredients in those foods, what they're actually doing to you, right? I would hate to see this resurgence of the ketogenic diet, kind of carnivore diet, of, with all the the positive things that can be associated with that and still have people not understand food quality. I think that's really putting the cart before the horse. The other thing is that, you know, across the board, there isn't going to, you don't have to take more micronutrients when you're on a carnivore diet over a vegan diet. It's just different micronutrients, right? You know, when we think about micronutrients, I just kind of picture them all lined up in front of me, all the vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, and amino acids. And I almost think of them like water in a glass. And the objective really is to get the water to the rim of the glass. And one diet, well, it'll be, you know, some of the levels will be down here and some of them will be over here. And it's almost kind of like a code. All you have to do is fill the glasses. So every diet's going to be deficient in some way. You're just gonna have need different micronutrients. That's where some of those testings can take place. Once you find out what you're deficient in, then we can fill those gaps properly and part of filling those gaps, and we make it sound so simple, like, oh, and people might be listening and be like, I don't have to worry about that. I take a multivitamin, you know, I take these supplements. I'm sure I'm getting enough. Guys, you know, we've talked about food, we've talked about lifestyle, but the next part you're going to have to really learn about is supplementation. And that supplementation is not as easy as just going to the local, you know, health food store and buying a supplement and taking it. It's understanding how those micronutrients work or sometimes don't work together like family members, right? If you've been to a family reunion, you know, it, just because you all have the same last name or all blood related doesn't mean everybody gets along, right? There's Uncle Joe and Aunt Mary and oh my gosh, when, you know, cousin Susan gets in the room, everything changes, right? Well, that's the way it is with micronutrients too. Some of them can be taken together. We call them synergistic and others are competitive or antagonistic, meaning if you take them at the same time, you literally can't, they may reduce or eliminate the absorption of the other. When we're going into a health food store and we haven't gotten this education, then oftentimes we just take supplements and we actually can cause micronutrient deficiencies if we don't understand how to take them properly. So how do people find good quality supplements that they can take that will actually help to address some of these deficiencies? Because I've heard sort of various anecdotal information around sort of the quality of certain supplements, like some are bioavailable, some aren't. Some supplements should be taken at, with food, without food. Some should be taken at certain points of the day. It, as simple as just taking one multivitamin, or do people need to be a bit more specific over what they target and how they target it? Well, when we first were starting to reverse my osteoporosis, we, this was what we wanted to find out is, why wasn't I absorbing supplements and how can we make it so the supplements would actually work? Because if you read the news, you see multivitamins don't work. Let's just throw them out of the garbage because studies show that they don't work. And we agree. Most of the supplements on the market don't work. So when we started to look at how we were going to formulate and how what we were going to put into my body, we looked at what the major flaws were. And they're A, B, C, and S. The ABCs of supplementation. A is absorption. B is beneficial quantities and beneficial forms. C is micronutrient competitions. 
and S is micronutrient synergies. And those were the four major flaws that we found. And so we teach people how to reverse all of those. So absorption, if something does not disintegrate in 20 minutes in your digestive tract, your body cannot absorb it. Over 51% of the supplements tested, GNC, Costco, did not even disintegrate in stomach acid level, like an acidic liquid. That's really problematic because that's why they're going in and they're going out exactly the same form. So we don't want that. So liquid is more absorbable, or you have to look for something that has been proven disintegration techniques, such as like we make a capsule, but what we did is we found a capsule that can disintegrate in water in 20 minutes, even without stomach acid. So absorption, just you don't want sugars, you don't want binders, you don't want fillers. All of these things are going to hinder it. So we do have a list in our books of all the different words to look out for, but all those artificial colorings, the preservatives like BHA and BHT, all those types of things, we want to leave that out for absorption to take place. Right. And then you were talking about the bioactive forms that comes under beneficial forms. So we have beneficial quantities and forms. Lots of times, if you're taking a multivitamin, if you go grab it out of your shelf right now, you're going to see that it's going to have less than optimal amounts of calcium, if any, less than optimal amounts of magnesium, if any, probably less than optimal amounts of vitamin K2, if any, um, probably one form of vitamin E. So that's the quantities, right? So it's probably not, and then it will give you like, 2,000 or 5,000 or 25,000 percent of the B vitamins or some of these other cheap, easy uh, to take vitamins, which people think, well, that's great. I'm getting more of those. Well, it's not necessarily great when we start to understand that certain B vitamins like B1 and B2 can compete, B5 and B7 can compete. So when you have lots of different, you know, if you have higher quantities, it's not necessarily better. What we want to get in is just the right amount, just the amount that the body needs. And so you want to look at quantity of each micronutrient. And then you have to look at the forms. And then when it comes to forms, you're right. A lot of people don't know what the word bioavailable means. They know it means probably more absorbable. What we're talking about is literally the form the body can use. So if it has to take in a form and then some kind of conversion has to take place in the body and conversions take enzymes and other micronutrients. And it means if you're already deficient, (laughs) right. If you're already deficient in these things, these conversions often don't take place very well. Or like in the case of methylization, you know, where, you know, like B vitamins, methacobalamin over cyanocobalamin or folate rather than folic acid or folate, we want to use a a methotetrahydrofolate. That's a methylated form. If your body can't methylate, it isn't going to matter, right? It doesn't matter how much <laughs> that folic acid is in the supplement. So it's understanding the forms. And then it's like we always say, like Mira, you know, she didn't know very much about cars when I first met her, right? So <laughs> we always give this example of like the Bentley or the Yugo. I'm from Manhattan. We don't have cars. <laughs> you know, on paper, the Bentley and the Yugo look pretty good, right? They both have a steering wheel. They both have four wheels. They both have two doors or whatever. They both have an engine. And if you don't know much about it, you might end up buying the Yugo but paying the Bentley price. And that's what happens most often with supplementation. Right. And here's the thing. If you run your own company or you're an executive of someone's company or, or you, you know, we're all at this point where if you're going to interview someone for a job, you're going to actually look and see what they've done in the past and you're going to spend some time doing a little bit of research and to see if they're going to be a good fit for you and all that. And you're probably going to have a checklist of things that you are looking for and maybe have that sit next to me like, yeah, well, they don't, well, they didn't do that. And they don't know, they don't know that program. So you're going to compare them to what you have in mind. Most of us go to pick a supplement 
without a checklist. <laughs> we don't know what the right forms are. We haven't spent the time doing the research. And why would you do that? You wouldn't do that for anything else in your real life. So why are you going to go and listen to a 15-year-old who just got a job in you know, the health food store for the first week, and he makes more money if he sells you that product? Right. So you really have to start to look at those beneficial clients and forms. Take the time to learn a little bit about it. We give you all lists beyond lists beyond lists on our books because we want you to know. Additionally, when we manufacture products, we are make very small quantities at a time because every single time a study comes out with a new beneficial form, we like to be able to pivot, turn, and then put that in the product. A lot of big companies don't do that. And believe me, they're fully aware that they're giving you supplements that don't work. They're giving you, you know, some of the forms and they know that it's nothing more than, you know, that they actually have negative studies like D2 as opposed to D3 will actually lower your levels of vitamin D in the body. And yet check your like- Many brand, major brand names. Use all your nut D2. milk. Check any like nut milk on the back. They put with extra D added. Yes, but it's the wrong kind. Right. It's the kind that makes you sick. So like we're just amazed. All of your nut milks, all of your oat milks, your hemp milks, they all do this. So it's just having that little bit of education and knowing that you've given yourself a little bit of chain link armor in terms of choosing the better products. Yeah, the last two kind of go together. Those are the micronutrient competition, that's the C, and then the micronutrient synergy, and that's the S. And that was really the biggest game changer when we were looking at Mira. You know, when I first sat down and we consulted and she said, you know, do you think we could be able to reverse osteoporosis? I mean, the medical community still says osteoporosis is irreversible, even though we've had hundreds if not <laughs> thousands of people now reverse their osteoporosis yeah. through micronutrient therapies, but they'll say it's not possible. So, you know, for me, I had just read a research study at that time out of Canada that was talking about these antagonisms between minerals. This is something that, again, science knows doctor knows, your pharmacist understands these antagonisms, these competitions. And I think the first place we can start, since we obviously know calcium and magnesium and D and K, and, and these are going to be micronutrients that are going to be important to help her reverse her osteoporosis. Let's start there. Let's look there. And the first micronutrient competition I think we found was magnesium and calcium. And when you're taking a bone supplement or when people are trying to improve their bone health, they take these bone supplements. And you're going to find you know, the usual suspects in here. You're going to find calcium, magnesium, D, K, maybe boron, a few other things. And in reality, K and vitamin D compete. Calcium and magnesium <laughs> compete. So when we start to understand this, it becomes a real aha moment. The light bulb goes off in your head and says, wait a minute. You know, obviously, if, if every multivitamin on the planet just pours all the vitamins and minerals into one pill, like no food on the planet does, by the way. There's not a single food on the planet that has every vitamin and mineral in it. In the 21st century supplemental science, with all these people who've gone to these amazing schools and research centers all over the world, why are we still formulating multivitamins like, let's just take everything and put it into a pill? Why? We know that they compete. <laughs> Chelated minerals, which Elbion has, I think, over 100 some patents on by chelating the minerals. They're chelating those minerals with amino acids for a specific reason so they don't compete in the gastrointestinal tract. They're forcing them to go through an amino acid pathway rather than the natural pathway of the mineral. So science knows it, but we're not doing anything about it. We're not doing anything about it as manufacturers for the most part. I mean, we are. We have a patent in the United States, the only patent on anti-competition technology. The technology was so unique, such an invention, we actually got a patent. 
for it. And so and after we, six years of playing with the patent office and giving them study after study, yeah. it was so easy. No, but I mean, it took a lot to convince them, to show them, to give them the proof that this is a real innovation. When we do blood tests on people, it becomes very obvious very quickly. We can give them a regular supplement and we can put them on nutrients and then show them just by separating these things. Look, your body's actually working now. I mean, you're absorbing these things. Right. So that was a real game changer is competitions and synergies is like, you know, frosting on the cake. Right. It's just like, you know, adding in the, the two that like each other particularly well, making sure that after you separated the aunts and uncles who are yelling at each other at the party, you put the friend in the room with them and you sit him at his table. It's like a doing a table for a wedding or something. Yeah. You want to put those little people, along. put them together if they get along. And so we did that and that's matching synergies. Right. So, you know, we want everyone to understand there's, you know, we'll give resources for you guys that you guys can link up people to, but like quizzes right on our website where you can share them with them later, but they can go bring your product with you, right. plug in the answers as we're asking you questions and see for yourself what the issues are. I mean, because that's really what it is. It's about the awareness about your diet, awareness about what lifestyle habits that you have that might be causing your issues and then also awareness about supplementation i mean it's all great stuff but in layman's terms so what do i do now how do i modify my diet right supplements to take in sort of basic to easy understand steps what do i do our last book not our most recent book is micronutrient miracle and that has a really really good hands-on approach to it so we're going to ask you a whole bunch of things about your health and one you're going to check little boxes then we're going to ask you to look at those different health things and we're going to tell you exactly which micronutrients are usually deficient when you're having those health issues. Then we're going to ask you to like look at your diet and you're going to look at your diet or say how many times you eat the following foods and we're going to show you what anti-nutrients have now crept into your diet plan. And you're going to, be able to look at the two and be like, oh, dang, these are kind of the same things. <laughs> Maybe I really am doing it to myself. And then we're going to ask you about your exercise, your stress, your sleep your cell phone usage. We're gonna ask you about all these different things and all of these things deplete micronutrients. So then you're gonna be able to look again and be like, okay, I'm really digging a hole here that I can see. And then we will finally take you to supplementation and walk you through exactly what you should be doing when picking out supplements right. and give you checklists to purchase them properly. What other things can deplete your micronutrients? You mentioned there mobile phones. Are there any other things in our environment or in our lifestyle that can deplete micronutrients. We're asking ourselves, how can I be as healthy as I possibly can throughout the rest of my life? That's the question everybody the asks themselves. And we all kind of intuitively look to food as we should be looking to food. Is that thing that's supposed to be giving us this amazing health? But when we think about food, like we said, there's only really two components the caloric side, carbs, fats, and proteins, which doesn't do anything to our health except for give us enough energy to do the things that we wanna do, that's energy. Yes, protein breaks down into amino acids, but then by the time we're in amino acids, we're over here in the micronutrient area. Remember, micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, and amino acids. So yes, food has these micronutrients embedded in them. We must get them out of the food, but it's these micronutrients that do everything else. And when we say do everything else, like what you're asking, what else depletes them? And literally everything, <laughs> right? When going out into the sunshine. So what protects your skin from getting cancer? It's these micronutrients, you know, so these antioxidants. In fact, research paper after research paper have shown if you're sufficient in antioxidants, 
you can't get sunburn. Your body, that's its natural way to protect you from the sun. It's also, as Mira said, the natural way to protect you from heavy metals you might get from taking in, let's say, fish that has heavy metals. Here you are eating this good fish or taking in this kale but or this seaweed, but you've got heavy metals. Now, how does your body naturally get rid of those? The natural detoxifiers are the micronutrients. Things like stress. We all have so much stress in our work lives and our social lives these days. And even like when you go on vacation, you know, it's like supposed to be a good time, but you still get stressed. I mean, they're still going to lose your ticket or your luggage or something's going to go wrong. So stress, people don't think about how much it was really affecting your body, but stress makes you work through those micronutrients really, really quickly. And they've done studies where the same micronutrients that your body is rushing through, the B vitamins, the C vitamins, and omega-3, like when you're sufficient in those, you literally stress-proof yourself. They did a study where they tried to, where they brought a bunch of college kids in to a room and they tried to stress them out. And they were able to pretty darn easily. When they were deficient. When they were deficient. And then they fed them omega-3 supplements. And then they brought the same group of people back in and they tried to stress them out. And they could not get their cortisol to rise. Cortisol is that fight or flight uh, hormone. And they couldn't make that happen. And so that just shows you like just becoming sufficient is not only going to be doing wonders for you long-term health, but also in your day-to-day life, it does wonders. So you want to watch your stress level. Sleep is another thing. You need that sleep. And it's not simply because it's your mom told you you have to sleep eight to nine hours a day. No, I mean like for bone alone, you increase your likelihood of getting osteoporosis by 52% if you have insomnia or by 250% if you have sleep apnea. You can see it's really, really harmful to your physical body to not get enough sleep. The other thing you've got to think about micronutrients is micronutrients are signalers too. So they work in your body signaling even certain cells to make a choice. I mean, one of the things that you know, EPA and DHA, remember those are the two beneficial components of omega-3. They signal to a cell, a stem cell in your bone marrow to either do one of two things. If you're sufficient enough in them, if your inflammation is low enough, so it means if you've done the work, if you're one of these carnivore low-carb dieters and you don't know where your omega-6 to omega-3 levels are, that's one of the first things you need to get in check, right? And then as you lower that omega-6 or that inflammation, then the omega-3 can rise and can start to do things. And one of the things it can do is it can choose to convert a cell to a fat cell or to a bone building osteoblast cell. That literally is the choice of the cell based on whether or not you have enough of that omega-3, that good essential fatty acid. So it's they do everything. Once you start to really dig into micronutrients, the world of carbs, fats, and proteins become very boring. It's pretty mundane. All the real action is taking place over here in the micronutrient. The world's top biohackers, they're all looking at micronutrients now. All of your hormone specialists, they're all talking about your micronutrients now. And we've been sitting back and, you know, for 10 years just going, y'all going to need us in the end. Because once we all start focusing on these micronutrients, you can't get off of them. You can't literally overlook their importance anymore because they are the foundation. They are the thing that's going to make you healthier, make you sick. Yeah. If you have a health condition, I urge you, if you have high blood pressure, I urge you to look at the DASH diet and here's the cliff notes. If you have high blood pressure, you're deficient in calcium, magnesium, and potassium. That is what the research showed. I mean, I think there's 13 different hospitals and research centers all came together to create that DASH That's diet. Like you can fix it like that. Three <laughs> micronutrients. If you've got adrenaline issues, if you've got heart disease, if you've got diabetes, if you've got any issues, look at the books the research at that particular health condition, and you are going to find at its root deficiencies in essential micronutrients. Start there. 
Stop looking to the drugs. Stop changing your diet around and lifestyle around. Choose a path and create a sufficiency in those micronutrients and see if you don't feel better. This is a very easy way for you to be able to say, wow, micronutrient deficiency may have been the major causative effect of what's been ailing me. And the nice thing about micronutrients is they become sufficient very quickly. It doesn't take months or years to become sufficient. Once you get rid of the competitions and once you can get the right forms that your body can absorb in, once you're sufficient, your body then changes it and hums. gets rid of that health condition. Brilliant. Yeah. I've got one last question for you both. What would be the three tips that you would give to any executive that's looking to improve their own personal and professional performance? Look to exactly the three steps that we would tell you because our answer is obviously going to be micronutrient-based. Number one, examine the foods that you're eating. Get your diet to be rich in micronutrients. Number two, watch out for anti-nutrients or anything else in your life that you're doing to yourself unknowingly, unwillingly, you're causing your own depletion. So look to those lifestyle habits. Look to the foods that you're eating. Are they filled with anti-nutrients? Get that stress under control. Get that sleep working for you. So this be, that's going to be the second one. And the third one would obviously... Yeah, educate yourself as you would on any other subject about micronutrient supplementation. You owe it to yourself. And today you probably learned something more about micronutrients than you ever knew before. But now don't just take our word that micronutrients are going to be so miraculous. Do your research. Look at some research papers. Think about the ailments that are affecting you, even if it is poor sleep. Look at research on poor sleep and ask the question, what micronutrients <laughs> affect poor sleep? And then think to yourself, am I getting those? Let's learn about that. I think that it will pay huge dividends in the end if you start to focus on that. Fantastic interview. Thank you very much both. Thank, Thank you, you for guys. having us. I'd just like to thank Myra and Jason for their amazing insights. Ben and I learned so much from this show. Remember, if you would like to access our content one week before it's released, please leave your details at www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe and we will send you a special link so you can access the videos one week before we officially release them. You can also follow us on all of our social channels at Connect With UE and also our website at www.upgradedexecutive.com.